Welcome to Bible for Beginners, Episode 3. Um, we are going to today uh, to talk about the, the three remaining Gospels. We've kind of talked a bit about Mark and a little bit about John. We're going to spend a little bit more time today on Matthew and Luke um, and then conclude the, the Gospels. Uh, the first episode, we talked about hermeneutics and how it is that you uh, understand and interpret this holy, amazing book, which actually isn't a book, right? It's a library of 66 different writings spanning thousands of years, different genres, um, and that has been uh, interpreted um, in powerful, wonderful, transformative ways and applied to life and formed entire cultures and, and lives and people and communities. And is also a, a, a dangerous book, a dangerous book that um, has been misinterpreted and, and misapplied in ways that have uh, has subjugated and hurt and, and, uh, and literally killed uh, thousands of people. So it's a dangerous book. We need to read it together in community. We need to understand it thoroughly. And as, uh, as people like our president hold it up um, for photo ops, we need, to, we need to do more than that. We need to be able to look into and read the scriptures and allow them to do the transformative work they're supposed to do in our lives. So episode one, we talked about hermeneutics and why it's so important to, to read this dangerous book in ways that are life-giving. Um, and then in episode two, we, we dove into um, the, the Gospels and, uh, and, and talked specifically about, about Mark, which is the first Gospel, and a little bit about John. Um, but one of the things that we didn't spend much time on that I want to spend just a little bit of time on here as we begin is, is why we begin with uh, the Gospels. Um, and, the, and the reason we begin with uh, the Gospels and thinking about and studying the Bible uh, is uh, something that I, that I call the, um, the, the Jesus hermeneutic. And so if you're just studying the scriptures as, as just literary pieces, you can start anywhere, right? You can, you can start in the beginning, you can start um, in the middle, you can start at the end. Um, and, and, and we talked about how even chronologically, if you were to study, start with the New Testament, you would start with the, the, the epistles of, of Paul, because those probably were the first things that were written in the first, in the first century. And then the Gospel of, of Mark and then Matthew, Luke, and, and John were written later. So why do we start with, with the Gospels? And the answer is basically um, Jesus, right? So this betrays our, my, uh, Christian understanding of, of the scriptures of the Bible, that, um, that we believe um, that the, the fullest revelation of God, the way that God made God's self known um, in, in, the, in the most understandable way for us as little tiny-brained humans, was to come to us in Jesus Christ. And the way that we fully know Jesus in the Bible is through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account, because that's why they were written. They were written to explain to us who Jesus was. Now, um, Paul wrote maybe a little bit earlier, and then along with maybe the same time simultaneously with the, the when the Gospels were being written. But he was writing not necessarily to focus as much on Jesus's life, even though that was the focus of his epistles. He was talking about how that is applied in community, and he was specifically kind of speaking actually more about the resurrected Christ, which is pretty cool. But if we want to know more specifically about who God was in Christ, um, kind of a, as a as a as the point of the of the books or the or the letters that were written, the Gospels is, is kind of where we need to start. That's why in the Catholic tradition, it used to be, uh, still is, that uh, when the Gospels are read, you stand up because we understand the Gospels are a little bit different than the rest. That is where we get our our clearest teaching of Jesus. Now, the other thing that I'll say about this and the Jesus hermeneutic is that we also believe in our Christian faith that Jesus died and, and was resurrected and came again, and that his spirit filled everybody. We believe 
that the Spirit of Christ is still at work in the world and at work in our lives. And so when we talk about the Word of God, we believe uh, that that primarily means about Jesus Christ, and we read about Jesus in, in the Gospels primarily. But we also believe that the Word of God is at work in the world still, right? One of the one of the sayings that they say about writing the reading the Bible is that some some of us Christians, uh, maybe more the scholarly types or whatever, or those who kind of want to worship the Bible, will say that the, that the Word was made flesh, right? So the Word was made flesh, was made living, and then was set loose among all of us. And we have this desire to kind of push it back down and make it just back into the Word. We just want to push the Word back into kind of the two dimensional, so that we can understand it and study it. Whereas the word made flesh and the word that is with all of us in the spirit of the living Christ really kind of challenges us and, uh, and is a little harder to get your hands around and really calls for a relationship and transformation. So anyways, the reason we start with the Gospels is because of Jesus. And I like to think about the, the Gospels and, and Jesus being kind of the filter through which we pour all the rest of the scriptures. So uh, if we read something in the Old Testament, read something in the New Testament, we've kind of got to pour it through the, the sieve, the filter of who God has revealed God's self to be in Christ. And it's going to catch certain things. There'll be certain things that's like, wow, that doesn't mesh. That doesn't line up at all with who Jesus is. Well, those are things you can find interesting and, and kind of pull out, but they don't necessarily need to be informative um, about your faith. They can just be historically interesting and, and uh, help you to, to understand the context. There might be some other things where it's like, wow, that is right on. And you can see the, the wisdom of God throughout the, the Hebrew scriptures. And, and uh, But that we start with Jesus. Jesus is our filter. Jesus is our sieve. And, uh, and we pour everything else through that. And we find the chunks of gold as we are panning for that gold um, in, in the revelation of scriptures and other things we can maybe um, not get too worried about. Um, we, we talked about with the Gospels that, uh, that they are um, not all alike, although three of them are a little bit more. The Synoptic Gospels, that, uh, that means uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that kind of share a lot of, of similar ideas. And pri- primarily um, the Gospel of Mark, that we think was written first, was kind of taken wholesale by Matthew. And Matthew added some other things. Luke is about, about half of it takes, taken from Mark. And then we all believe all three of them, uh, and even John to some extent, drew from another source called Q that would be cool if it was discovered someday along with some of those other Gospels that, uh, that um, were, were written. Um, so that's, the, um, that's, the, that's our understanding of both the chronological order, but also um, the way that the Gospels kind of relied upon each other. And so we talked about Mark last time being the first written. Um, and so today I want to talk a little bit more about um, about Matthew. And we believe that Matthew was a, uh, a gospel that was written um, probably um, in Asia Minor, uh, Ephesus the area would be uh, Western, Western Turkey today, um, and that it was written to a Jewish audience, to a Hebrew Christian Jewish audience in, in, in Greek, um, that Matthew's main kind of goal in this was to help these uh, Jewish Christians and, and, and Jews who maybe hadn't identified yet as Christians, but were, were kind of thinking about and trying to follow the ways of Jesus, helping them to understand that in doing so, they weren't betraying their faith. Now, one of the formational things that, that, would, um, that was really causing Jews at this time to want to make sure they were staying, you know, kind of tied into and faithful to their, their Hebrew tradition, their Jewish tradition, was the, the destruction of Jerusalem. And if, you know, if, there, if there's one thing we need to understand, in, if, we're, if we're to uh, have a, a clear uh, depiction of 
what was going on in the New Testament when all of these books and letters were written. Uh, if there's one historical event we need to understand, it's the destruction of, of Jerusalem in, in AD 70. Uh, Matthew, we believe, was probably written to Jews in Diaspora, which means those who had kind of scattered away from Jerusalem in Asia Minor in, in somewhere in the year 70 or 80 or something in that area, in that, in that, in that range. Um, the, 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 the Hebrew people, the Israel, um, Judea, was a, a hotbed of insurrection. They were under Roman control for a while, and the Romans always had to give them a little more autonomy and had to kind of deal with this you know, monotheistic religion that was kind of unique to the, to the Hebrew people, to the Jewish people. Uh, but they were always pushing against um, Roman rule. And that was the Maccabees, the Maccabean um, revolution and insurrection and the, before the time of Christ. And then, uh, and then after, Christ, after Christ's death, Somewhere in the in the in the mid '60s, there was another revolt, and they called themselves the um, the Zealots. Uh, they they believed in using violence to throw off Rome, and they took over Jerusalem. They they formed a provisional government. They took over other towns in different parts of of, of Israel, and uh, and the Roman emperor is Vespasian. I want to say, uh, yeah, Vespasian. Um, uh, or actually, he wasn't the he was the he was a general at that time, and he was he was the, appointed by the the Roman emperor to go in and to put down this this rebellion, this revolution, and uh, and he did uh, very very dramatically in the course of his of his fighting over the course of about four or five years, he was actually promoted to become emperor, and his son took over um, this um, this quelling of the of the of that they call the the Jewish Roman war, the first one. Um, and it ended with this uh, with this horrible, horrible siege of Jerusalem and uh, and the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, literally burned it down, raised it, uh, desecrated the temple, um, destroyed it. This was the second temple. The first temple was you know built by you know, um, David and uh, Solomon. And, uh, that that one was destroyed, and, uh, and and then the Hebrew people went into exile. They came back from exile. They dis, they they built the second temple, and then in AD seventy, the second temple was uh, was destroyed by the Romans, and it was it was horrible. And that destruction, uh, I mean, depending on the accounts, um, hundreds of thousands of of uh, Jewish people were killed. Take others were taken into slavery. It was it, it decimated. The Hebrew people, their identity, and of course Jerusalem was so central to their faith and, and the temple. Um, it was uh, it was devastating, and so um, people like uh, Matthew were were writing to these Jews that were trying to maintain their identity and saying, "Hey, listen, it's okay um, to follow Jesus. You're still a good." Jew, right? And so Matthew, more than any other Gospels, quotes the Old Testament, um, quotes Old Testament prophecies, and is trying to help the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, to see um, that, hey, um, we, we are still good Jews, and Jesus actually is the, the Christ. He is the, the fulfillment of these prophecies. And so uh, the, the, the Jewish intention of, of Matthew's Gospel is, is fairly, fairly clear. Um, one of the, kind of a side note, one of the Jewish leaders who was... Um, a prominent leader during this during this rebellion during this revolution was a man named Josephus, who was uh, eventually kind of taken in. He was a very brilliant guy, good writer, and he was eventually um, kind of changed sides and became. It started working for the Roman emperor. They kind of recognized how smart he was, and he kind of you know betrayed his his Jewish cause. And uh, he wrote a number of histories, and so some of the earliest histories we have of the Jewish people of this time comes from Josephus. You might have heard of him before. Um, just a side note, Matthew's. Um, gospel is um, 
is, as I said, kind of a, an understanding, a re-understanding of who Jesus was in light of the, the Hebrew scriptures. And he begins his gospel, Matthew chapter 1, by calling it the book of genealogy. This is the book of genealogy. Now, again, Matthew, Luke, we're going to talk about, just like we said with Mark, there's, it doesn't say this was written by Matthew or Luke. They're, they're again, they're anonymous. Um, it's just that later on, they people said, oh, this was written by Matthew, this was written by Mark, this was written by Luke. Uh, but again, that those are things that were attached onto, the, onto these writings later to give them power and authority. So we don't know necessarily if this was the... The disciple Matthew, but his, he, he, he begins his gospel with saying this is the book of the genealogy, and, and in Greek, that genealogy, that word means uh, Genesis. This is the book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ, and and, uh, and Matthew, from the very beginning, goes back and uh, he ties Jesus and his genealogy to Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, uh, and, and that Jesus is kind of the fulfillment of God's promise, and the, the Hebrew people kind of were, were born through father Abraham, mother Sarah. Um, and he uh, and he talks about Jesus being kind of the new the new Moses, um, and so rather than being the focus of the of the law and of, of Moses as the redeemer, that Jesus is the one that fulfilled the law, and he and it's a new kind of redemption that Jesus is bringing, um, and uh, and so Jesus is is the fulfillment of all of these Old Testament uh, prophecies, and Jesus is the one who, uh, in uh, in very epic and beautiful ways proclaims uh, a fulfillment of, uh, of the Old Testament prophecies that he was, he is the Christ, God come to be with us to fulfill a different kind of kingdom. Um, the, the Matthew's probably one of his most famous chapters is, is chapter 5, which is the Sermon on the Mount, um, and, and all the different uh, the blessings, beatitudes that are listed there. If you only read one chapter in Matthew, uh, I would encourage you to read Matthew 5. Apparently, it's uh, it's one that um, uh, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi said he, he read uh, almost every day. Uh, he, he wasn't quite sure what to think of Christians, but he really liked Jesus. And uh, a lot of the things that were said that Jesus says in Matthew 5 uh, are amazing, powerful, um, but kind of upside down, the upside downness of God's kingdom. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are persecuted. For righteousness sake, uh, those kind of things, um, powerful stuff. Um, the other interesting thing about, about Matthew is, uh, we, we think a lot uh, as Christians or we have in the past about salvation and some of us grew up trying to figure out, you know, what do you have to do to be saved? Like some of the people in the, in the scriptures asked Jesus or how many times did you get saved? And, and it's really in America, it's a very individualistic understanding. Am I saved? Uh, and will I go to heaven? What do I have to do to go to heaven? Um, Jesus, in Matthew's gospel especially, I remember doing this study a few years ago, how many times does Jesus talk about being saved? Uh, it's only a couple, right? What he talks about more than anything else, and I encourage you to do this if you skim through Matthew, is he talks about the kingdom of heaven, uh, the kingdom of God. And it is, he's not talking about beyond, he's talking about here. And he, he talks about, uh, Matthew's Jesus talks about how with him, the um, the inbreaking of the kingdom has begun, that Jesus is uh, the beginning of the kingdom of heaven on earth, and that we as disciples of Jesus are to be people who are continuing that work. It's not waiting till the time to come. It's not worrying so much about, am I going to go to heaven or not? It's making sure that the things of God's kingdom, that the, that the poor being fed, that the outsiders made insiders, you know, that the that the, the the love of God is expansive and including, and, 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 uh, and people have enough, and 
uh, and grace abounds and forgiveness and justice. All these things are, should be happening now. It's a very earthly view. So uh, I encourage you to look at the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 5. Um, Matthew and Luke are the two gospels that you typically turn to for the um, for the genealogies, for the birth stories. So around Christmas, you're typically reading the two of them. And so um, Luke is the next gospel that we'll look at real quickly here. And, and Luke is um, uh, fascinating because... Um, as we've kind of talked about this this expansive Christology or this growing Christology that um, in Mark, Jesus is Christ. The Christ is kind of a more earthy, right? We talked about him being more kind of grounded and more the, focusing on the human aspects of Jesus. Matthew's Jesus becomes the, the higher understanding of who he is in terms of being God's anointed. Um, uh, it kind of grows. And then in Luke, it, it becomes even more so. So the higher Christology means a higher understanding of who Jesus was in terms of being God uh, grows in Luke. And so in, in uh, Luke, who we believe is the, or the, you know, what is attributed to Luke, who is the physician, um, well-trained, it's the best Greek that um, uh, that is used in in the New Testament. It's well well written. Luke was an educated man, and and the the Luke that we attribute this to is um, the Luke who traveled with Paul, um, and uh, he was a physician, as as what we are told in in the Book of Acts. Luke is also written as a two part. It's Luke and Acts, and so we're going to talk about Acts next. But uh, Luke uh, writes this for. Um, somebody to kind of give an account of the whole beginning, not just of Jesus, but the beginning of the church. And so Luke Acts is a pretty great piece of work, and, and we'll read we'll read Acts next, Acts next, as I said. Um, again, uh, Luke ver- shares a whole lot in common with, with Matthew and Mark, but of the three, he is the most independent. And, uh, and part of what that is, is, is Luke um, not necessarily writing primarily to a to a Jewish community, but to a Gentile community. And so we think that Luke was probably written in Rome. And again, this is kind of the growth, the expansion of the Jesus story and who Jesus was. And in, and in Rome, uh, Luke is writing to non-Jewish Christians. Uh, and so his understanding of who Jesus is, is much more um, kind of expansive and egalitarian. Uh, he is uh, consistently telling more stories, not necessarily like Matthew and drawing from Old Testament quotes and, and proverbs and um, uh, prophecies, but he is uh, he is drawing parallels and bridges to um, the, the 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 Greek people, the the Romans, the Samaritans. Uh, he, he he's he's showing how Jesus and, and the Spirit of Christ really was expansive and inclusive outside of the of the Jewish community. Um, the uh, highlights quickly from from Luke are that um, it begins with him uh, stating that uh, that this is going to be a, a kind of a history that he's going to write for someone called Excellent Theophilus. He says many have attempted to write um, down these these sayings or these these words, an account of this of Jesus and the church. But he said, "I'm I'm doing this one for you, my most excellent Theophilus." So it's written, we believe, to a, to a person. Theophilus means lover of God, Theo and, and Phyllis. Um, but um, we believe it was for an, an individual, a patron, someone who probably paid for, for Luke's writing and perhaps for his travels. Um, and uh, and so he is writing this uh, to be kind of historic, but it also tells you that there were other gospels that were written, other accounts that were written. We have chosen in the Christian faith to to canonize these four. 
but you know, do some research. I encourage you to look. What are other gospels? And there are some old, old gospels that didn't make it into our canon. Um, and the Gospel of Thomas, I think, is probably the one that I uh, have appreciated the most. But do we see them uh, as Christians as as authoritative? Maybe, maybe not. But are they helpful? Absolutely. Um, there are other Gospels that that have been written, and my guess is over the next couple centuries we'll find other ones uh, as we unearth things. Um, the interesting thing about interesting thing about Luke is that in his genealogy, uh, in, in Matthew's Matthew goes back to um, Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Luke goes all the way back to Adam and says that Adam was the, uh, with Jesus, Jesus' genealogy goes all the way back to Adam and Adam was the son of God. And so again, Luke is kind of blowing it open to Jesus is the savior of the world, not, not just of the uh, Jewish and Jewish Christians, but, but you know, this is, this is it. Um, in the, in the gospel of Luke, his, uh, his sermon, his big, Jesus' biggest sermon and teaching is called the gospel on the plain rather than the, than the, the sermon on the Mount the Sermon on the Plain, I should say. Uh, and it's, again, very kind of Jesus comes down from the mountain and talks to the people. Uh, it's uh, very egalitarian. Um, interesting. My probably favorite, one of my favorite chapters in all of the all the Bible is, is the Good Samaritan uh, story in chapter 10. And again, kind of the epitome of Luke's gospel. The, the hero in Jesus's story is not the... Uh, is not the well-learned uh, studier of the of the law or the or the religious um, priest, um, but it is instead uh, a Samaritan. Uh, man is left bloodied by the side of the road, and uh, the good religious people find reasons why they shouldn't get involved and why they don't need to, and for good religious reasons. And then a Samaritan who was seen as a half-breed. Samaritans were uh, were derided by. Um, by the Hebrew people because they kind of had deviated from from um, from Jewish belief and and um, they had an acrimonious relationship with the Jews and so Jesus takes this uh, kind of enemy and makes him the hero of the story. It's this it's the Samaritan that stops, gets off his horse, and helps this man who's been bloodied and pays for his care and makes sure that he's taken care of and 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 Jesus says that's that's the kind of person you want to be and so it kind of just blows these religious people's minds are like, what do we need to do? How should we do this? And who's, what does it mean to be a good person? And Jesus says, you, you tell me, let me tell you a story. And, and who do you want to be like? Um, so Luke's, Luke's Jesus was, uh, was pretty radical. And, and the kingdom that Matthew kind of talks about is, is expanded and things are tipped on their heads even a little bit more. Finally, the, the gospel of, uh, of John, we've talked about it a little bit, but it is the, the last of them. It is the most kind of ethereal and it is um, is written by John, who is again supposed to be the beloved disciple of, of Jesus. And John is also attributed to have written uh, the epistles for Second and Third John, and also the uh, the Book of Revelation. The most poetic, as we said, uh, John was a uh, was a dreamer, and uh, was a, a, another good writer, but very um, kind of ethereal. Um, as as we talked about, he really um, had the highest Christology. And said that from the beginning, um, Jesus was with God, right? So in the beginning was the Word, and in Arcane, Hologos, say Hologos, uh, Jesus was with God from the very beginning. And so John just kind of rewrites creation with Jesus right there, and uh, it's beautiful in that way. Um, probably the most famous passage in John is John 3.16, which is, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. 
Um, and that is a passage that some people use, and you've seen it held up in stadiums and uh, as what feels like a, a limiting um, kind of decree that only if you believe in Jesus will you have eternal life. Um, again, we need to remember that the Jesus, the gospel that of Jesus was eternal life starting here, right? Starting now. We want you to experience the kingdom of God now. Uh, and that Jesus, again, based on everything we've talked about so far, his understanding of who was included, right? Women, Pharisees, Romans, even, even uh, I should say Pharisees, what I, what I meant to say was um, Samaritans. But even Pharisees, even the most religious uptight leaders, Jesus had conversations with them and, and they were kind of included. Jesus' gospel, Jesus' understanding of who could be a part of the kingdom of God and who was allowed in, who was saved, was, I mean, basically kind of blew the doors off. For anywhere from a from a Roman occupier to a religious, you know, someone super, you know, legalistic, um, anyone from a from a, a prostitute uh, to a child to a, a fisherman that made mistakes all the time. I mean, it was Jesus's gospel, and we said, whoever believes in him, that is not a constrictive thing. That's an expansive, welcoming message. The gospel. And those who are included to understand God's love and to be a part of the family of God basically includes everybody. So it's not a restrictive thing for God so loved the world. And remember, it was about love. The reason God did all this is because God so loves the world, the cosmos, and not just people, but the creation, right? It's such a beautiful, poetic book and, and the power of love. And, and, the, and the thing that's also interesting about John, I'll end here is that he gets into what would be kind of the final chapter of the other Gospels, um, the, the Last Supper and the betrayal of Jesus. He gets to that by chapter 13. And Jesus is with his disciples and basically takes about five chapters. He prays with them. He teaches them. He washes their feet. And, and it's really John kind of saying, hey, folks, if you want to remember what this is all about and, and who Jesus taught us to be, he just spends a lot, a lot of time dwelling on Jesus' kind of final words to his disciples and the final actions, right? And, and he basically sums it all up by saying, giving what's called the greatest commandment, and that is um, love one another. And, and the, the way that, that people will know that you are a Christian, if you want to be a good Christian, read the Bible, study it, understand it. But what it should be doing in your life is it should be making you more loving. People should say of you, if you are growing as a Christian, that that person becomes and is becoming more beautiful and more loving. Now, love obviously takes on different forms, and it can be, you know, it, 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 it sometimes calls for a, for a tougher love and, and, and an engaged love, and, and love in public, we know, is, is, is called justice, and so we've got to fight for those things. But, it, but it's, it, it should never be a, a violence or a hateful or a fearful thing. As we study the Scriptures, as we understand Christ and we, and we filter the Scriptures through Christ, we need to understand that everything that kind of we filter through Christ should be um, an increase of love. God is love. For God so loved the world. The way that people will know that we are Christians and the way we know that we're growing in the faith is we become more loving, more like Jesus. And so uh, may we be not just readers of the word, but may we be filled with the word and that word is, uh, is love. So, beloved, I will, uh, I'll see you for the next edition of Bible for Beginners. Take care.